This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you in part by Rosedale Communications, offering author-centric literary consulting, writing, and editing services to help you capture your voice, craft your message, edit your content, and publish your completed manuscript for business or ministry online at craftingyourmessage.com. Hey there, it's producer Michael Miracle here. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. We are your on-air resource as a workplace believer. And check out our website for tons more I Work For Him resources. We've got blogs and podcasts and reading material and all sorts of fun stuff there. Plus, a link to listen to the live show several times a day. Yep, head to the website. That's IWorkForHim.com. IWorkTheNumberForHim.com. And the listen tab's up there on the top left. Click that, then click the live link, and you can listen to us live every weekday. That's IWorkForHim.com. I work the number four him.com. And now let's go ahead and kick off what we all came here for, hearing more about connecting what we learn on Sunday with what we do in our nine to five. This is the I Work For Him podcast. And on Tuesdays, what do we call it, baby? It's Together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha. All right, fueling the faith and work movement five days a week. We always take Tuesdays off as a break to dig deep into marriage because if your marriage and your relationship is messed up at home, it follows you into your workplace. And we need to understand that marriage is the fabric of society. It was God's idea. And when God has an idea, he didn't just call it good. He called it very, very good. So we do welcome you to I Work For Him. We ask that you check us out online at IWorkForHim.com. That's IWork, the number four, Him.com. On our website, you can find out all the different ways you can listen to us at multiple different times a day in multiple cities across the country. And we're so grateful to do that. And yes, we want to come to a city near you. Just contact us at IWorkForHim.com and tell us and, and say, hey, Jim, we want to help you bring us, uh, want to bring I Work For Him to our town. How can we help? We would love to have a conversation with you. So marriage relationships are as full of variety as there are different people. And there are seven and a half billion different people on this planet. What's important is to note that when God is at the center of your marriage, it cannot be just good. It has to be very good. Today, we venture to Tampa, Florida, to the Ministry of Keepers International with Keith and Kimberly Solomon as they join us in the battle of shoring up marriages in the church so that our neighborhoods and our workplaces can experience the shining light of God's love. Keith and Kimberly Solomon, welcome to I Work For Him. Hey, how are you? Hey, good to see you guys. We're excited to be here today. Make sure when you guys look at each other and smile, you get talking to the microphone. Though, so <laughs> people so can hear you. They're so cute when they look at each other They're looking at each other's eyes. They got that, <laughs> that, that love in their eyes. I love that. It's very, very nice. How appropriate. It is. It's good. Okay, so we're here to talk about marriage. We're going to have a good time talking about marriage. But I want to just, let me just ask. Kimberly, you start off first. Ladies first. How did you come to be a follower of Jesus? Wow, I grew up in a Baptist church. So I grew up in church. I so you're literally church. born in the pews and That's never it. got to I leave. I came right out. Okay. Yep, right in the middle of a service. It was so, a worship time though, right? It was worship time. It was a cold winter day in October. <laughs> and I came out. And so I'm a preacher's kid. So I just grew up in church. But mm-hmm. I was one of those people that strayed far away from church because I had the wrong idea about God. So you had a drug problem growing up. You were drugged to church all the drug. day, every day a week. And then I didn't want it. I didn't want it. I had enough. By the time I was out of high school, I said I had enough and you can keep your Jesus I'll go do something else. So my so, life went on a long spiral downward from there until I found out I needed Jesus again and came back home. How long ago was that? Oh, uh, let's see. I'm 37. So it had to be over 15, 16 years ago. So awesome. it's been, you've already had a lot of years under your belt being a Christ follower. I love it, too. It's the best time of my life. 
Keith, what about you? How did you come to be a follower of Jesus? Wow. Um, very different story from Kimberly's. Um, I uh, grew up in church also. I come from a long line of preachers, uh, grandfather, my father. Um, my father was an evangelist, and uh, um, we got talk, taught about Christ, his love, and a lot of the uh, the rules at home. So I got baptized at 10. Um, and I, but I, I don't believe I really got saved until I was like 18 in the Marine Corps. Um, I then began to uh, follow Christ actively and uh, make different decisions um, about how I was living. But I believe that I accepted Christ in my life at 10, uh, but actively started living for him at 18. Mm-hmm. So you kind of understood the Savior idea of Jesus at 10, but he became the Lord yes, of your life did. at yes. 18. Be- in the Marine Corps. So the Marine Corps beat Jesus into you is what you're saying? <laughs> um, with the Marine Corps in mind, I had to have something to lean on. Um, every Marine um, thinks about their faith. Um, the, the motto of the Marine Corps is God. Core country, so the Marine Corps is uh, it still that today. Still that today. We actually pray before we go into yeah. battle. Wow, we don't hear about that. Yeah, funny yeah. that never awesome. gets in the that, media. That's, that's internal talk for Marines. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> I like that. I like that. All right, so you guys have quite a history that we're going to talk about today. Lots of interesting paths between you. And just in case you guys hear maybe the sound of a little baby, we have baby Judah, who's two months. Two months. Yes. In the studio with us today. It's probably the youngest child we've had in studio. I think it is. And if Judah gets led by the Spirit to say something today, that is just good by (laughs) us. More than likely not, but in case he does, just so you know, if you hear him, that's just cool. We love the fact that uh, Judah is joining us today. All right, let's just take a step back. You know the name of the show is I Work For Him, but you also know that together on Tuesdays is all about, we, we talk about marriage and relationship issues. So you can pick either topic to respond to. How does the I Work For Him message resonate with you? Or how about the Together on Tuesdays with the focus on marriage and relationships because they impact our workplace? Keith, you first. I believe that um, I work for him. Um, focus or, or motto resonates with me based off the scripture. Colossians, the third chapter, 23rd verse. Um, Whatever you do, do heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. So God spoke to me about three years ago um, in the workplace when I was working for a man. Um, I had a problem with taking orders as a civilian and I transitioned over mm. and God was like, listen, you're not, you're not working for them. You're working for me. So I had to humble myself and learn that it wasn't for people or corporate America that I was working. I was actually um, light planted in the corporate workplace so they can have an example of what God's love looked like in the workplace. So I had to repent for my attitude in relation to me working for people. And when you repented of that attitude, did you actually go back to your boss and say, and, and repent to your boss and, and tell them what, what things are going to be like. <laughs> Great face. No, sir. This is not TV. It's not TV, so people can't see that face that you gave me. <laughs> no, sir. But how powerful would that have been if you'd had an opportunity to say, wow, a boss, just by the way, I screwed up. My attitude's been bad. You're going to notice a change in my attitude. I, miss, I missed it. No, no. That's what we got an opportunity. I mean, it's an opportunity. We got lots of people listening. We've all had the wrong attitude yes. towards our bosses. Mm. We've all had days like that or weeks or months or years. We've all had that. But if we truly do that and, and repent and go, listen, I've, I've had the wrong attitude. I'm a Christ follower. My attitude is supposed to be way different than it is. It's supposed to be demonstrated by excellence. When we start to say stuff like that, people start to listen. They start to look. Kimberly, what about for you? Uh, I love the Together Tuesdays because... Uh, Keith and I work together a lot, and so we understand that where two come together, they come together as one. And then where two or more are in the midst, God is there. And so that's what we really love about that and the opportunity to work together, work with your husband side by side, especially all through the week, not just one day a week. 
which is awesome. So we're excited to be here on Together Tuesday. Together on Tuesdays <laughs> with Jim and Martha right here in our work for him. Okay, so the path, your your path of life together, getting to where you are today. You guys have been married for how long now? Going on six years now. Why'd you have to look at Kimberly to figure that out? <laughs> it- it's a, it's that a, was a, it's a knee-jerk reaction. Knee-jerk yeah. reaction. Yeah. Like, it was valid. Confidence. <laughs> Six years. Okay. <laughs> but it hasn't been all smooth sailing up to that point in time, right? Okay. Oh, wow. uh, the last six years, of course, Ooh. has been wedded bliss. But you have some hiccups. Before. Hey. Well, Keith, Keith, it's not hey. TV. You can't. <laughs> Kimberly, you go first. Keith doesn't deserve a response. He's just giving me faces. He's Come not. on. There we go. So six years. Gosh. We were from two very different backgrounds. And so merging two very different backgrounds, the biggest thing that I remember is his house is very loud. And he grew up in a loud house. Well, because he's, why? What's your cultural background? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Bahamian decent and black. <laughs> they are loud. Uh, and so my They have a lot of fun at high volumes, what you're saying. They high do. volume. And his siblings are boys. So his mom said they had to be loud because she had all boys in the house. Mine is, I was just by myself and my quiet mother and my quiet father, who was in and out and just never around. So our house was very quiet. You grew up a single child. I mean, a, 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 I had a single mother. Yep, I was raised by a single, single mother. But just one sibling? Just you? Yes. So I have a older brother who's six years older than me who just was not in the home. We just have Got such it. a big age difference. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I pretty much grew up by myself and wow. quiet. Peace and quiet. Yes. <laughs> and so marrying him from day one, it was loud. And I thought every time he said something, I was in trouble. And so I was always running away. I'm like, why is he so loud? And I had daddy issues, you know? So everything's just compounding at one time. And I'm just like, I'm in trouble. And now he's my father. And I don't want to be married. This is crazy. (laughs) So we had to work through that. And God actually showed us it wasn't him. It was actually me that had some things that I had to deal with. You had some healing, some woundedness yeah, that had to be dealt with. Yeah, a whole lot of healing that I needed. Yeah. Well, and often when we get married, we we bring woundedness in with us. We do. We do. And so I'm curious about that, but just because I want our listeners to, you know, I'm the kind of person that's like, show me what that looks like. So in your marriage, when you realized there was this tension because of the loudness and you weren't understanding where it's coming from, what, how did you become aware that you, you needed to work on it? Um, and, and how did, did, did you walk through that? Did somebody help you? You pray? All right, but I don't want you to answer that question. I want people oh. to have to come back after the break and hear the answer to that question because that's something that every couple that's ever been married brought issues with mm-hmm. them. Because husbands have issues, wives have issues. When they get together, they don't lessen. They often multiply. They have little babies and they multiply. You're saying, hey, Jim, this is a workplace ministry show. Yes, it is. And if your workplace, if you're in any kind of workplace like I've been in workplaces, people's marriages implode around you. What are you doing to lift them up? What kind of impact? Can you make next week on Together on Tuesdays? We're going to talk about the cost of divorce on businesses. That's going to be a fantastic show. We actually, Martha. Well, I just want to say something because, you know, you always tell people that, you know, if you're marriage is imploding and you take it to work, it really affects your work. But And the reverse is also true. If your marriage shines in a way that no other marriage is shining and you can point it back to your relationship with our Heavenly Father, what a great testimony that is. So we really believe in building up the marriage and strengthening it so that when we do go to work with a strong marriage, people go, you guys actually like, like each other and you want to be together and you're going to go on a date with each other and you're not going with anybody else and and you're making them a priority and how does that work and i'm intrigued by that so that's the other side of it so just i love 
talking about that. We talk about marriage and relationships because as Christ followers, our marriages are to be a light to the community. God intended marriage to be the fabric of society. And we've been tearing at it for 50 years, destroying marriage. And we want to know why we have problems all around us. We have destroyed the family. Now, not completely. There's still families around here, and we're talking about Mm -hmm. that today. We've got in studio with us Keith and Kimberly Solomon from the ministry called Keepers International. Keepers International. Of course, we'll have a link to that on our Facebook page right after the show. It's probably out there already on our Facebook page, right? Keepers. Yeah. Martha's really good at that stuff. I don't have anything to do with that, because if we did, it would never happen. So, all right, Keith and Kimberly, we're talking. You guys got married. You brought some wounded, you brought some issues with you into your marriage. Who had more issues, Kimberly, you or Keith? I'll go with me. Oh, good answer. I'm okay with that. Good answer. <laughs> that was a test. Keith, she passed the test. It sounded like a game show. It was I'll like, go with. Oh, okay. Talk <laughs> about it. Talk, how did you deal with this stuff? Because this, is, this isn't your first marriage, right? So the first marriage was like six months. We don't, you know, I, we like to say, hey, it wasn't really a marriage. It was just six months. But you still made that covenant with someone else. So, yes, I was married, but... He uh, and so we don't say but. So he tried to, uh, you know, abuse me physically and mentally. And so I got out of it. And so I brought a lot of the issues with me because I simply wanted a father. I simply wanted somebody to love me. And mm. so the per- first person that showed me any sort of love or like compassion like my father did, I said, oh, maybe I should marry this person. Surely that's what God would want. And that's not what God wanted. So getting out of that after six months, I still was lost. I still was looking and searching or something that I couldn't find because not having my father in my home, when he did come around, he taught me the wrong things about love. He would show me off as a trophy, hmm. so I thought that was love. He would buy me gifts, so I assumed that was love also. And then he would break promises. So I said, surely he loves me, right? Because that's what a father does for their daughter. So I took all of those things and wrapped it up. And anytime someone did that for me, those three things, I assumed they loved me. And so I gave away a lot of who I was. I gave away a lot of my time and my possessions to people that just showed me love in that sort of way, which was dysfunctional. So that's why I say I have more of the issues, because I know I was trying to figure it out on my own instead of trying to get help. Mm. Keith, so, yeah. Keith, you brought some issues with you into your into this marriage with Kimberly, too, right? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> some generational yes. issues. Some generational issues. Um, so... Being, so being from um, an island descent, the Bahamas, um, and um, I want to be careful when I say this, um, womanizing, having multiple um, friendships at the same time. Um, I was married when I had my first son, um, a failed marriage after nine years. Um, in my family, people stay married for a very long time. My grandfather was married over 60 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I grew up in a two-parent home. So I, I saw marriage and I valued marriage. So when I got divorced... Um, I was kind of jaded, really angry, and I kind of um, rebelled against God and everything marriage. And I went totally opposite of what marriage really is. And um, I just made some really bad choices. So I brought some some, some soul ties, some um, really unrealistic expectations to the marriage, um, sexually, mentally. Um, I really had to learn control over um, the way I speak um, and really understand that Kimberly is from a different background um, and culture and environment than, than, than I'm from. So... Just really learn to respect the model of her world is really one of my issues. So having both been married as you guys get married, and, and you have a few children between the two of you and then together. How many, how many kids you guys have under your roof? Have a total eight. eight. Ocho. Great eight. Great <laughs> eight. Is eight so enough? So back to a loud yes. house, yes, right? Eight is enough. You can't, eight you can't eight have enough. eight kids and have it be quiet. 
How yeah. have you guys dealt with the woundedness? I mean, because when, when we have broken relationships, it, it, it brings woundedness, and everybody brings woundedness with them into a marriage. Yeah. How have you guys dealt with that? How has your faith helped you deal with that? But how have you guys dealt with the woundedness? Keith, go ahead first. Um, confronting issues with love, which you won't confront, you can't change, you can't heal from. So we confront our issues with love, patience, and there's really a lot of um, leading of the Holy Spirit. Um, we write, um, we journal. Um, we've taught our children to write and journal. So um, as we document a lot of what we've been through, um, it allows us to, one, see what we've been through and then actually develop a strategy on how to heal from um, the things the enemy tr- is trying to hold us uh, bondage bondage to. So I think deliverance is what we really focus on in our home. And that's why we're both deliverance ministers, because we really enjoy seeing people walk in freedom. All right. So, but give me an example of what that really looks like. Keith. OK, so give uh, me, like pick one thing you guys that the Lord has delivered you from. And a lot of people, let's explain, because we've got some people that maybe have grown up in more conservative uh, Christianity denomination, and they don't know what deliverance really is. I mean, deliverance, I'm just going to explain it how I would explain it, because, you know, in the Baptist church, they don't use the word deliverance, that freaks people out. Um, They they didn't do it in the free church either. (laughs) We're we're talking about, we all have this woundedness, we all have this brokenness, but Jesus came to set us free. He he came to set the captives free. Yeah. And that captivity, the stuff that holds us in captivity, is that the stuff that the enemy likes to remind us about. It's all those sore spots we have all over the place. And the enemy likes to go, yeah, but what about this? What about this? Jesus, he heals us of those things, delivers us from that bondage that the enemy loves to hold us into. That's what deliverance is. It's it's allowing Jesus to do the work he came to do, which was set the captives free. Exactly. So, um well, transparency. Okay, so two years ago, um, I got delivered from the spirit of pornography. Okay. So, um, for the Which fir- is something that millions and millions and yes. millions, tens of millions of men are struggling with right now. For the third time. <laughs> so, but this, uh, the third time was, was the charm, I believe. Um, just speaking uh, candidly with my wife about my struggles and her not judging me and not um, really throwing me under the bus or looking at me like I was less of a man, um, that really helped. And just really being able to talk about it to other men and her assisting me with um, um, telling my story. Um, it really helped me. So just really getting out there and confronting that issue, um, I realized it was my personal issue and how I viewed women. Um, and God really changed the view that I see women and myself. Um, so I don't struggle with that issue anymore. Well, and it's and it's not just how you view women, but it's also how a woman whose husband is struggling with pornography also then feels, I mean, Kimberly, did you struggle with how that made you feel, him looking at pornography, how that impacted you? Yes, because as a woman, it makes you feel like you're less than or you're somehow unworthy because why would he need to look outside if you don't have what it takes? And so I had to get into the word and see who I was in Christ, see who I was in God. If he was really made for me and ordained for me, then surely I was God knew I had everything that I needed. So what is it that's missing that he would need to look elsewhere? Which was also a twist, which was yes. also a lie. I mean, yes. so Satan was grabbing both of you and twisting that lie. Yes. And that that conversation, but you guys had a verbal conversation together about pornography. Yeah. Multiple times. I was going to say, it probably wasn't just once. Yeah, mo- multiple no, 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 times. No, yeah. But those are conversations that are that many couples don't have. The wife just gets angry because she finds out about it, and the husband is embarrassed and he doesn't know how to deal with it, so they just don't talk about it and pretend it doesn't exist. Yet it is a, it, it's a major issue. So what can you say to our listeners? Yeah, if somebody please. is hearing this and they're going, that's us, but I don't know what to do about it. I'm, I've been hiding this or we've had the you know, argument, but we're not talking about it and we want to get to a better place. What can you speak to our listeners to encourage them to take a ne- next step? 
Well, what God showed me that was so powerful was that he reveals in order to heal. And so we have to go to God and say, God, reveal what it is in our marriage that's missing or that's lacking so you can heal us. Because he doesn't reveal our issues to kill us. And that's what the enemy would tell me, <laughs> is that he reveals it just to kill you and shame you. But that's not what he's doing. God is That's what the enemy it. has in mind. Yeah, because he, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Right. But God said he's here to give us life. So God is doing it to heal us so we can be made whole and move on from the situation that's holding us back. Because ultimately, somebody needs to know what we've been through or how we've been through it to help them. And we've got to get out of our own selves. We're so selfish that we think our Mm. issue is just in our house. But it's not. There's so many other people dealing with the issue. If we can just get out of ourselves and let God heal us and heal them also. The estimation is 70% of the men in churches today are Mm -hmm. addicted to pornography and 50 to 55% of the pastors. So that wow. is no small issue. Correct. That is that is a big, big issue. Keith, as you are the spiritual leader of the household, you have lots of different things. that You have a passion now for marriage. You and Kimberly together have this ministry, Keepers International. We love it, and I'm so glad that you guys are here. And um, I was just thanking you for being so transparent, because it really is important for people to um, hear what God has done in people's lives so that they have an example and say, okay, Lord, what can you do in my life? How can you change me? So I just want to um, let people know about your website before we dig back in. So we are talking with Keith and Kimberly Solomon, and I love them even if they fill the room. I love that they fill the room. That's just an awesome thing. She's just trying to dig herself out. I am. I'm working on She's used to me having to dig myself out. So keepersinternational.org is their website, and there's some fun things there, and they can get to know you personally through some videos and things like that, and also your Facebook page. So um, I just want to encourage people to take a moment to go and check it out and I, start to follow them as well. I think a joint marriage retreat, the four of us, yes. out oh of control. That would be, it. Let's do it. That we have, I think that okay. would be... That, that we, yeah, it, I just think that, 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 it just yeah, happened. It just happened. We're all about that. It would be so much fun. We could do that. We could fill Even up. Even if nobody else comes. <laughs> we could still have a really good time. There's no question about it. Keepers, we would love people Keepers International. Where did that name come from, Keith Solomon? Yeah. Keepers International, um, I think the Holy Spirit and Kimberly. Um, I grew up in a, um, a ministry, a mentoring ministry called um, I'm My Brother's Keeper. And the gentleman that um, took me under his wing taught me about um, the landscaping business. And he took ill and he allowed me to run his business and he gave me a great portion of his profit. So um, it is still to me the desire to um, run my own business and be an entrepreneur. So when Kimberly mentioned to me... Um, our ministry being international because we have this anointing and this grace to bring people together of all cultures and all backgrounds. I'm like, you know what? I, I am international. So you why, are. <laughs> so yeah. why, why yeah. not? Why not agree to what my wife proposed as a name? So I, I give credit to God and Kimberly. Mm. Oh. Uh, also, it was too. We had my sister's keeper. Yes. Was the ministry that I had when we got married, and then okay. my brother's keeper. So we brought them together, Emerged and they into, became keepers. So like like Voltron, we turned into yeah. keepers. Yeah. So we ministered <laughs> to men, women, everybody. They you just lost to way Voltron. too many people on that one. I know, right? Like what? It's, it's it more like how about Transformers? Just be Transformers. Okay, like Transformers. Transformers. <laughs> okay, like, they they missed the arm movement they because the arm. they didn't get to see it, so because that helped. <laughs> All right. So, but where did your passion? I mean, you guys have, you know, the Lord has redeemed a very colorful past for the two of you guys. Eight kids between the two of you couple of marriages 
But the last six years, God has healed, been doing, taking you guys through a process of healing. And as part of that, you also figured out the secret that Martha and I figured out. As you feed into other marriages, it feeds back into you, which is like the secret. Everybody should be involved yes. in marriage mentoring yes. ministry because it is a secret to making your own marriage better. Just in case you wanted to know. Oh, I just gave away our secret. God, that's okay. <laughs> that's a secret worth sharing. Yeah. I mean, but we, we have seen that in the, in the 31 years of our marriage, we've been doing marriage mentoring for almost 20 nice. years. It, it, that that is what we have seen. Like what, what sets our marriage apart? Well, we've been feeding into other people and we learn. And it also holds and you. Sometimes re- it reveals. You know? like, That's whew, what we've learned. Got to have yeah. a conversation we get yeah. all tonight. Totally, totally <laughs> so where did you guys get this passion for feeding into other marriages? You first. Kimberly. So as I explained, I didn't see a functional marriage growing up. So that Never was even just, witnessed it? No. Not you know, your friend's marriages, not your cousin's? It was just that kind of relationship that just even the people we grew up around we just saw dysfunction everywhere but i didn't know it was dysfunction until i got older so all the while i was like okay you know this is supposed to be this way this is supposed to be that way you know fathers aren't home or they are home or as we kind of talked about on the break that fathers have multiple marriages or multiple you know women on the side and so i just assumed that that was the way it was supposed to be until I got older and realized, oh, wait, this is dysfunctional. It probably shouldn't be like this. There is another way. It's against God's way. Yeah. Not, not to mention just dysfunctional, just wrong. It's just wrong. Or that people didn't even like marriage. I grew up around so many people that just talked about how bad marriage was and you're chained up and, you know, here I go to get in prison for the rest of my life. And I'm like, well, who would want to do that? You know, a ball and chain the rest right. of my life. And so I just did not want I thought that. you were talking about real prison. No, you're talking about <laughs> marriage prison. Yeah, the ball and chain thing. I mean, I was, I mean, yeah. you, you, everybody was jokes about that. Right? You know, the old, yeah, the old ball and chain. It's terrible. just quite it's like, sad. Who wants yeah. to do that? So I said, God, there's got to be another way. So even uh, after I was found by my amazing husband, we talked about that, hey, we've got to show people there's another way to marriage, that marriage is exciting, it's fun, no matter what age you are, whether you're getting married younger, you're getting married older, later in life, that marriage is fun. And if you do it God's way, it's it's really fun. And so that's where our passion came from, is just to tell the world how good marriage can be. And, and Judah's agreeing. That's yes. right, Judah. There you get all choked up about that. Well, and we share, we share, Martha, were you going to say something? Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. You Hello over hand. here. Sorry. Well, no. I got this little thing is blocking me and I can't so see So I just wanted to take that next step. And how do you walk that out then? How are you showing people um, the good in marriage? And, and what is Keepers International actually doing? Feet on the ground. Go ahead. So yeah. through events, um, focus on marriage, family, and relationships here in our community and abroad, we travel. Um, if you'd like to have us come minister in your city, we're available to do that. Go to our website and book us. Um, but primarily through writing um, writing materials, right? We're working on some um, some workbooks right now. We're working on a couple's book um, that should be out within the next 90 days. What's that going to be called? Ah, the name. We're not sure about a name, but this morning was kind of interesting. We shared some things on Facebook um, in reference to one of the chapters, um, and we got some really good uh, feedback from it. Um, I have a book that's coming out called The Art of Exit, um, but it's really um, creating products that are going uh, to help uh, the body of Christ and the relationships. Um, I think that for too long, churches have tried to build um, uh, the body of Christ on the backs of dysfunctional families. And I think if we strengthen the, the family, the church will become stronger. So ultimately, mm-hmm. we're building the body of Christ as right. we build families. It's actually even, even simpler. If we, if we would just teach men yes. to love wives like the like Christ loved the church, mm-hmm. then we'd have strong marriages. Exactly. And if we had strong marriages, then we could have strong families. If we had strong families, the church would transform exactly. our world. Yes. Exactly. But we have to teach the men. 
the yeah, men. Yeah, it's the men. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the men. I mean, <laughs> I mean, hello, it's it, the men. It, it, well, we're supposed to be the spiritual leaders, yet how, I mean, how many sermons growing up did any of us hear, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church? That's your only thing you got to do. That's your standard. No, you heard wives submit to your husbands. That's what I heard. That's it. That's mm-hmm. what I heard. And I'm like, but the other part is the more important part because wives could easily submit to a husband who's loving her like oh. Christ loved the church. Simple things. All right. Mm-hmm. I, I want to make sure that people really. And that was tongue in cheek because it's not simple to love your wife like Christ loved the church, but it is a simple oh. command. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's not easy to, <laughs> to always love me like that. But, Baby, but it's, it's easy. But it's one. God didn't give you like 12,000 little no, steps I'm a simple guy. that men have to men do. Because men segment every one. part of their lives. You have one But that's why thing. God made it such a powerful one. He's like, this is it, guys. Just listen. This is all, all I'm giving you. One time. Well, and that's if Jesus is your standard right? for how you treat your wife... <laughs> Well, I mean, that just simplifies a whole bunch of stuff. What I'm trying to figure out is how did, how, how did the church get so challenged in its way it looks at marriage when the commands are so simple? That's what I want to know. I mean, but we're we not going to go back. We're not going to bash. The church was Jesus's idea. It was a good idea. We have to support the church. But church, we need to start lifting up marriages all over the country. A marriage, I was, I've been told by pastors, well, we don't need another program. I'm like, marriage is not a program. That's it's right. not. It's not. It was God's idea, which means a good idea, very good idea. Great idea. Mm-hmm. So how do we, how do we help the church realize that marriage is not a program? So I believe we help the church realize that marriage is not a program when we so show them how effective and how beneficial having strong families and having order in marriages first, how the church can benefit. Ties will go up. Membership will go up. Attendance and people being on time will go up because there'll be order. The father will get up first and he'll break the children up. The food will be made because the wife is doing things and the husband is doing things. I think there's a, uh, there, there is a, 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 a measure of of functionality, a measure of, of, of peace and grace that God gives the people who um, adhere to his order, this order in family and order in church that we've deviated from. And now the enemy is preying off that disorder. Okay. So for those listening that know you have eight kids, how in the world is order <laughs> even <laughs> in your vocabulary? What does that look like Sunday morning? What does, yes. I'm very curious. It's a curious. major movement. That, is a big, that was a huge struggle because he had to teach me there's power in agreement. And so with eight children, they can steer you in different directions. And so mommy said this, daddy said that, and there was no agreement for a while, and we couldn't get anything done. Isn't it great? Our kids are born sinful, and they immediately know how to deceive. They They do. They know who to grab, even the baby. Oh, yeah, little Harmony. She's one, but she has him. She can steer him any direction at one years old. And so when we learned the power... Keith, you want to defend yourself? No, no. Is it true? Mm -mm. Not necessarily. Oh, help me, Martha. Oh, not necessarily. She has boundaries. Your little girl bats she's, her eyes at you. She's so cute. She's so cute. She's cute, but she's a deceiver, and she probably already lied. She's probably selfish. I mean, our kids are born sinful. Even with the name of she Harmony. She has tantrums. She has tantrums already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> at one. But if we could understand the power in agreement, that's when our churches would flourish. That's when things around us would flourish. If we would come together and agree and see the power in it. That's the problem. The churches not have power outside of its walls that we should have. That's why the world doesn't want to follow us because we don't have the power 
that we should have. It's whole life discipleship. We got to teach yeah. people how to live their faith outside of the walls of the church, yes. not just inside the walls of the church. Yes. Also, um, I believe that, that workplace environments would benefit from homes that are more functional and more pleasant. So you're not going to come to work angry if your home environment is happy. If you leave your wife happy and you literally get to work happy, the atmosphere at your job is going to be much more productive. I'm talking about yes. productivity levels going up, income. I mean, literally, your, your, your bottom line is going to be much better if you have happy employees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and in the reverse of what Jim was just saying, what we're going to talk about next Tuesday and the cost on an employer of a divorce, yeah. because people, you know, just the just all of the hurt and the the unproductivity. Exactly. Unproductivity is that a word? Unproductivity. Yeah. <laughs> Non-productive. Lack of productivity. Non-productive work hours. Um, but so the reverse of that is definitely exactly. true. You guys got some events coming up soon. Yes, we do. June. Yep. So we have a night of worship coming up June eighth, and we'll tell you about those special guest speakers soon and guest uh, worshipers. So you have to go on our website to see who they are. It's going to be phenomenal. And then in August, we have our two-day marriage retreat annual nice. where we do our couple of the year. It's a fantastic time. You guys will have to Where do to you guys do that? So we pick different hotels and yeah, vacation spots. So In the country, in Florida, where, where are you doing that? We're going to do in Florida. Last time we did the Grand Hyatt right here in beautiful Tampa. But we like to stay on the beach because it gives you a chance to renew your covenant. So we'll do those. I've heard that you can actually renew your covenant on places other than the beach, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> God and does in August, in August, I'm but not hey. sure the beach is the greatest place hey, to renew hey. your covenant. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> well, it's fine. The sand will just stick to all of you because <laughs> it's so nice and cool here That's in what August. we're going for. The beach in northern Minnesota in August <laughs> is a very nice place to be. All right. As Christ followers, our marriages should be a light to the community. God created marriage as the fabric of society, and when the fabric starts to tear the society falls apart look at the news people and you want to know i i i've been listening i'm gonna be really nice here soapbox i'm not gonna step on a soapbox but if you look at the news they're trying to figure out what is the problem in our country that's causing these kids to shoot up schools it's causing these kids to do all these horrible things stop looking at programs the issue is Marriages that have been torn apart. When a kid grows up in a household with a mom and a dad who are committed to each other in marriage, that is a that is a stable environment where the majority of children will grow up plenty fine and good producing publicly acceptable people of society. It's when we tear marriages apart and endorse that tearing of marriages apart, Keith Solomon, that we start to have problems, isn't it? Exactly. I totally agree. I really believe that um, as we shift in America and the body of Christ, the church will begin to see a different result in our school systems. Even in Florida, I think they just passed the um, uh, passed the legislation to allow prayer back in schools, and that's not something that's really broadcast. Imagine that praying in schools. <laughs> We're going to bring it back. Isn't that well, awesome? And you and if you look at the degradation of our society, it's mm-hmm. when they ripped prayer out of our schools. When when I was, I mean, it was before we were even born. So they, very early in the sixties. I mean, and and you look at it, society tearing down. I mean, it's just it's terrible. And I just keep hearing these news people just talk about. Oh, we got to figure out what the problem is, so we can come up with a solution. Well. The, let me give you a solution. <laughs> five five letters. Starts with a J, ends with an S. J-E-S-U-S. He is the answer to every problem we have. Stop ignoring him. It's just a bunch of knuckleheads. Okay. Are you, how you feeling, baby? Oh, Should we my. take your blood pressure? Woo! Okay, Man. so 
I love that conversation, though, because of the fact that one of the things that we often start when we talk with a couple is the um, the fact that God has designed us to come together in prayer in our marriages to there's an amazing we call it the secret sauce. You know, there's something about praying with your spouse and um, coming together before our Heavenly Father and and bringing our burdens the thanksgiving that we may have, whatever it may be that we're wanting to bring together, but um, opening each other's hearts in in prayer, which really is exactly what you're talking about in the, in our society, in our culture. We need to do it in our homes. And we meet so many people that just have not even um, attempted to do that in their marriage. Yet our marriage, we, you know, we say it's a covenant that we make before God in the church or wherever it is, you're still in most places, still people are saying, this is something I'm doing in the in the presence of God. You know, there's something about marriage that we still <laughs> link that to him, no matter what our beliefs are. So I just, you know, what are you guys seeing when you're meeting with couples? Are they, um, do, are you encouraging them to pray? Yeah, and I know another thing that we've learned is that people aren't educated. They put so much time and so much energy into getting a master's and a doctor's degree and getting their education in <laughs> In anything in basket weaving, but they won't get any education in marriage. It's usually underwater mm. basket weaving. Underwater, that's it. That's the number one. And so in marriage, <laughs> and then you wonder why your marriage doesn't last. You haven't gotten any education, any training. And so now you're taking, you know, your issues, your hurt, your hurt people, hurting people all over again because you have no education and training on how to fix it, how to deal with it. If it's just prayer, how come many people don't know to pray together? Right? Well, when was the last time you heard a sermon about husbands? Pray with your wives. Wives, right. pray with your husbands. When was the last time you heard a sermon about praying together with your spouse? Do you guys pray together? We sure Multiple do. Multiple times a day. We have a prayer room. We, pra- actually... we have a prayer room. With eight kids, you need room. a prayer room that is insulated. Hey, we're it talking is. today with Keith and Kimberly Solomon from the ministry Keepers International. Keepersinternational.org is where you can find them online. Keith and Kimberly Solomon. Okay, so you're praying together multiple times a day. You have your own prayer room. Yes. So your prayer warrior room. That, that was a, that was a great movie. It was by a great, way. and that's what we did. We cleaned out a closet, and we actually made it. We I had to sacrifice. Well, he sacrificed more than I did. What <laughs> 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 to guy. make an insulated area? What a but wasn't awesome? really a sacrifice. Now that you just told the entire nation that you give up your closet <laughs> for your wife, mm, I think you pretty much got the gratitude for that from the Lord already. What's oh, what's the biggest out. issue you see um, when you're working with marriages? What's the biggest issue you see couples struggling with, Keith? Order, order, really, just the roles that both um, parties should assume. Um, I see, I see that there's a, really a reversal of the roles in our society. What do you mean? Um, we're uh, two two income earning fam, uh, 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 two in, double income earning families. Um, a lot of times right now in our society, the, the woman is earning more money. Either she has more education or um, the male is not confident to the point that he wants to step out and climb up a ladder. He's okay uh, doing whatever his, 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 his career path is. Um, I believe that once you figure out what God will have you to do in marriage in, in relation to your, your education and your career, and then you guys really understanding that it's not about who earns the most money, but about the authority which God mm-hmm. already established. I think that there, um, there lies the order and a lot of the issues. So we really just try to help people understand the order. And like, like you guys have been talking about praying multiple times a day. You no, know, that, that was like when our next book, that was like the first, first point I had in there. That's one of the, the, the tips, um, of a successful marriage. You got to play multiple times a day. So it takes humility, a lack of humility. That will be it. A lack of humility in marriage right now. Mm-hmm. No one wants to be humble. <laughs> yeah. And you can't, it doesn't work. 
Without humility. Yeah, and finances is another oh big God. issue. Yes, finances. That we see whether you don't have enough or you have too much. People think, oh, with more money it gets better. But it doesn't. It simply <laughs> yeah, magnifies. Too much money can be a problem. <laughs> it magnifies your issue. You I already I think Jesus have. said that. He yeah. said both of it. But is it ever that they don't have enough or is it they don't have enough to meet what they want? They have enough, but they spend more than what they had. And that's it. That's another issue. And so we had that issue at one time in our marriage where we were joining together our money and we put it in one big pot. But then I got a little crazy on the side and I started spending credit cards that I didn't want him to know about. And our wonderful, gracious, loving God revealed it to him. And I'm like, God, prayer. here's the thing. I was going to get to that, Lord. You didn't have to tell him that I was spending credit cards in all these weird places. So the issue is, is that you have to be able to communicate. And like he talked about the order where I have to be able to go to him and say it's not you know, whether I can or cannot have it. But listen, this is just something I'm presenting before you. How should we take care of this as a couple, as a unified body so yeah. we can work together? Yeah. There's fin- finances and the lack of humi- humility. Be yeah. the answer. Mm. Now, there's, there, you know, our country is, there's so many cultures represented in our country. I mean, hundreds of cultures from all over the globe. And, and marriage is an issue in all of these cultures. But there's there's little permutations, little twists on how the different small groups of culture, whether whether, the, whether it's the, the white culture, the black culture, the Asian culture, Latino culture, however you want to call them, all these different names. In the black community, in the, in the African-American community, what are some of the, I mean, marriage is one of those things where it's really struggling in the African-American community. Correct. How, how do we bring some hope there? Oh, that's a great, 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 great question. Um, I believe we bring hope back to the African-American community by first having more examples of what healthy marriage looks like. And that means um, more male involvement. I think there's a deficit of males or not just males, men, godly men, because anybody can be a male. I'm a godly men in the African-American community um, being present in the home. I mean, either through incarceration or um, premature death or it's just, it's just so many things uh, uh, against not saying, Oh, like war is me, the pity party, but, or by choice, you know, men just not really living up to the responsibility or the commitment. Uh, and I think that's across the board in a lot of a lot of communities. But I believe that that uh, infects the African-American community the, the most or the most um, effectively, <laughs> if that's appropriate sure. way of saying it, because we're seeing the results of having um, children who growing up with our fathers in that community the most. I so, believe. Kimberly, do you think the women in the black community are willing to, they've, they've had to take the reins because the men wouldn't do it. Right. Are the women willing to give up the reins to let the men lead? Many women are not, which is terrible because we talk to many women like that who think they have to be superwoman. They have to be strong. And so they can't give that up. I struggled with that. I used to have superwoman on my truck and on my car. <laughs> and I just was superwoman. I had to be in control. But when we ask for God to send us a godly husband or somebody that submitted to God, then how can we still say we want to be in control? And so God showed me that I don't lose any of who I am by submitting. Mm. I'm simply going with him and we're going together. So that's what many people think is that they're going to lose out or lose some of themselves by giving up, by giving up control. And you're not giving up control. You're just saying we're both on the same path toward God. And so that's what you have to do. Well, I just really hear Kimberly saying you've said it several times that it's about you saying, Lord, what do you want? His will, you know, for me as the wife, as the mother and really both seeking that. And we talk about that on our marriage cruise several times. We talk about it all the time on the radio. It's a triangle for us. And the man and the wife are at the bottom of the triangle. And if you're both moving towards God, you're moving closer. Exactly. And But their focus has to be between you and God, not, okay, Lord, when are you going to change Keith? I'm really waiting for that to happen. When are you going to change Jim? 
No, and, it's and, saying, what do I need to do? And yes. it's an issue in marriages, regardless of cultural influence, exactly. where men have taken a back seat where they're supposed to take the front seat. That's because that front seat's a hot seat, and they need to yeah. stand up. Stand up. Keith and Kimberly Solomon with Keepers International. Thanks for being an I Work for Him today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. I'm so glad you guys could be here. (laughs) Check them out online at keepersinternational.org, keepersinternational.org. Remember, check out their events, June Worship Night, August Marriage Retreat. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field. But ultimately, I I work work for him. him.